Welcome to STEMiverse Podcast Episode 53. In this episode, Peter and Marcus talk with Mark Roper. Mark is a strategic thinker, entrepreneur and lecturer who enjoys working at the leading edge, envisioning solutions to real-world problems and taking action to make these solutions a reality. Mark is a co-founder of royalty blockchain group PTY LTD, an Australian-based blockchain training and consulting company. In that capacity, we invited Mark to have a discussion with us in which we explore the blockchain and the ways by which it promises to change the world. This is STEMiverse Podcast Episode 53. STEMiverse is a podcast produced by Tech Explorations. Our mission is to help educators become awesome at teaching STEM, be it at home or in the classroom. Whether you are a professional or casual teacher teaching in a classroom or a parent or caretaker teaching at home, this podcast brings you the knowledge and experiences of practitioners, academics, entrepreneurs and lifelong learners who are passionate about education and strive every day to help our children prepare for life in a world of radical change and why not abundance. Marcus, long time no see. What's happening? Like this September and, and August has been really hectic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how's your secret business going? It's going secretly well. Me too. Like, I've got a secret thing that I'm working on, but I can't say anything. I can't talk about <laughs> it either. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we were really entertaining. Yeah, and, and that kept us very busy. So uh, it's been a long time since we've done one together. Mm-hmm. So. This one is actually a special one, a special episode. All of our episodes are special, but this one is not really about education, right? Um, We are talking to Mark Roper. We'll do an introduction of Mark very, very quickly, but just so that our audience knows what we are talking about, it's not really education. It's about something that can potentially change the world. That's always good. Yeah. What could it be? Oh, I don't know. Is that solar panels? Hey, you've it got solar will. panels on your house? Yes, <laughs> and they're not energized yet. Like, you, you put them up on the roof and then you have to wait for weeks and weeks. Really? And they come and change the switchboard. Really? I did not know this. I'm, I'm waiting. Okay, there you go. That's, that's what's new. I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for free energy. There. So uh, another thing that potentially can change the world, uh, cryptocurrency. Ah, so you bought the solar panels so you can mine with cryptocurrency. Yes, I've actually free. started. You know, I've got my Raspberry Pi here hooked in. Uh, I'm using uh, <laughs> not yet free energy, but soon to be free energy. And I'm mining, uh, what is it? Uh, turtle coin. Turtle coin. Okay, that's a real name of it. <laughs> is that a slow <laughs> coin to mine? Uh, it is actually pretty fast. Yeah, but <laughs> so yeah, you might know the funny thing about cryptocurrencies is that don't sound like you know dollar, euro, um, <laughs> I don't know yen. Those things sound really serious. But turtle coin, mm-hmm. it sounds like a toy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marcus. Oh, sorry, Mark. This is gonna really confuse you. Yeah. It's confusing. So, um, Mark, who are you? Yes. <laughs> Let's start with that. <laughs> In- introduce yourself. I'm a. Uh... I'm a, a serial entrepreneur, someone that likes to see the, the, the latest in technologies and how that can actually uh, you know, solve a lot of the world's problems that we have, that we've all inherited, perhaps is a better way of saying. So I'm, I'm working at a, I, I co-founded a blockchain group called Royalty Blockchain, and I'm part of a, a few different really interesting projects which are um, setting a precedence, I guess, um, of new ways of designing, uh, developing organizations, businesses, projects, 
and yeah, I'm a little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> but you kind of have to be in this world to think outside the box. Yeah. <laughs> so I think to be an entrepreneur, and especially in new tech, mm -hmm. like, yeah. like you're not building traditional businesses, you build something that I think it's going to be pretty hard to explain to me because you're <laughs> doing some interesting things in relation to cryptocurrencies and that takes a bit of explanation right so all that is very new uh the business side the business models that you are inventing in a way how you're making a profit how you're solving existing or perhaps future problems yeah. so so what are you making what do you do maybe yeah. <laughs> if we want to get the bus that clear you know, question okay. No, we, we we have been um we have been uh, developing a mining organization. So, what's a mining organization? A, a crypto kind of, uh, currency mining business um, ICO that we're about to launch. Oh, what's an ICO? An ICO is an internet uh, <laughs> initial coin offering. <laughs> initial coin offering. So it's it's creating a currency or a token which is a bundled up smart contract which represents business activities well okay let's let's take a step back now because okay like in the real world right in the real world you don't create currency out of thin air right like in europe that happened in 1999 with the euro that a new currency essentially was invented, but it took them decades to achieve that, right? And you're saying that you can actually now start a company, do this thing called ICO, initial coin offering, essentially introduce a new market, a new currency into mm -hmm. the world, right? Is that essentially what it's about? Is, uh, using the terminology of currency may not be the, the most accurate thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a digital asset. It's an asset class which stores value and can be transferred. Right. So the, originally it was, you know, it, it's, it's cryptocurrency, but it's a digital asset which stores value that you can transfer. And the value is determined how? That depends on the modeling. So a lot of the time, currencies, it's determined by the market, yep. which is based on supply, demand, market confidence. Uh, market confidence is usually based on you know, really good technology and a, and a really trusted and good management team where people actually know that the project's going somewhere and they're holding on their currencies, so they're restricting hmm. supply because they're holding it on, onto it rather than selling it. Oh. And that affects the price by driving it upwards. Oh, like gold, right? You yeah. buy gold and you hold it. You don't buy your groceries with same it. Principle as, yeah, exactly. or it's the same principle as you know, all types of uh, stocks and commodity market. Yeah. Supply, demand, market confidence. So before, previously, ICOs have been based on uh, new technology. A lot of people have been putting forward ideas uh, to fund their ideas and the development of their ideas. And sometimes this has happened purely based on an idea. Hmm. Now, last year and, and the year previous to that, people have raised nominal amounts based on an idea. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. What's a nominal amount? Yeah, give us some phenomenal amount. Oh, like phenomenal. $30 million. Okay. Based on an idea... Millions of dollars is is crazy. Yeah. 
Um, usually when you were trying to get funding for a startup, there's a, a, you know, quite a lengthy process. Unless it's someone that knows you and trusts you, like you don't just receive capital in that way. It takes a long time of testing something. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have been able to kind of shoot into the market and kind of get these business projects floated really quickly. Now, this has been, there are good examples of this, very, very dodgy examples of this. The promise there, why they were so successful is like speculation on the side of the consumer, thinking that this new digital currency will increase in value over time, just like the Bitcoin did, and they'd be millionaires without actually investing in real valuable um, assets. It's about usability. Hmm. So the more usable something is, the more uh, value it gives to a practical sense, the more it's going to be valued because it's going to be used. (laughs) Um, If something doesn't have any value, if it doesn't give you anything, then um, people trade based on hype, um, which is an area I stay well clear of. The projects I'm working on are based on substance. And the value is quantifiable. So traditionally, this has been a speculative industry, but now it's moving towards an area where you can quantify the value and therefore it's not based on air. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So tell us about the value. Like, How are things changing now where the value is actually better defined and it's not vaporware in a way in, in the technology itself? Well, um say with mining now we're not the first people to do a mining ico we're we're not inventing the wheel with that um what our innovations are a little bit different but people would invest money to buy tokens and that money spent on equipment and that Mm -hmm. equipment has a yield it has an output it's real it functions it operates it has a purpose and it fulfills that purpose so it's computers or computational hardware yeah, that they invest in. So different different mining hardware, which is yeah, all sorts of depending on what area um, they're focusing on, will be different GPU systems or ASIC machines. Yeah, and so with the whole Bitcoin mining, the aim is to have you know the, the lower cost energy because these machines do tend to chew up a fair bit of energy, and the aim is to reduce your expenses as much as possible in order to have the highest ROI. Yep. that you can. I wanted to dig into some of the fundamentals of this whole, I suppose, movement away from fiat currencies and into digital currencies that, you know, they don't have a particular or specific government authority that vouches for them, that supports the value. Why do we need digital currencies or cryptocurrencies in particular? Can't we just do what we want to do with dollars and euros? There are some fundamental issues with how our economy is designed. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think it's perfect, actually. <laughs> our economy is fine. Oh, Mark, tell us, what's the problem with our economy? Uh, well, one, as an entrepreneur, access to capital is restrictive and difficult. Hmm. Um, but from the other perspective, the big difference between fiat currency and cryptocurrency is there is no total supply when it comes to U.S. dollars. And the the U.S. reserves can continually print money out of nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's the problem with that? Because it works out quite well for the U.S., I guess. 
with that quantum it kind, of the so it kind of like you know it keeps them alive instead of being swallowed by 19 trillion dollars yeah. worth of debt and that's the issue with our economy is that it is purely based on debt rather than value mm-hmm. and the u.s economy is uh, I don't know the exact figure, but it's something phenomenal, like nineteen or twenty trillion dollars owed to China, hmm. uh, yeah. um, which is ludicrous. <laughs> it's, it's it's insane, and so they're having to keep pumping out and printing dollars in order to stop themselves from being swallowed by their own bad decisions. Uh, Mark, I don't know if that's why they print the money. What do you think? Why do you think money is printed? Not to be paying the debt. Like, they would just totally nuke their uh, inflation rate if they were to do it at the debt levels. They do it at a controlled level. Right now they owe $21.48 trillion, right? And we know that they print money. The European Union did that as well with the euro during the, the last crash. So it is... A, those fiat currencies don't really have a limit of ceiling on how much circulates, and that can cause debt issues. That's what you're saying, Mark, right? Yeah. So uh, it, it continues the, the, the cycle, really. Um, it, it, more debt's being created and more money is going into circulation. However, I guess the debt kind of balances out the inflation a bit. So th- that's one issue that the cryptocurrencies are designed to deal with. They've got a fixed number of coins that can circulate. That's mm-hmm. how the Bitcoin is designed. And I was looking at other coins like Litecoin and yeah. all those do have an, uh, built in a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Are there any other problems with the way that you know, the, the free market economy and the way that the financial system works and has been working essentially for a hundred years now. That indicates that we need to switch to a new system. Um, one of the big reasons why people are going towards blockchain is because it does globalize activities. Hmm. Um, it's easier to to move across borders. Lower costs, faster transfers. Lower costs. Yeah, exactly. Disintermediation. Well, so it's one of the reasons why the banks love blockchain technologies because they're reducing their costs for when it comes to international transactions but they're still charging those fees so they're they're making great profit from that however (laughs) the flip side of it is that these currencies the more we uh they become the less people need to use their services Mm -hmm. and now there's there's cryptocurrency wallets which are attached to visa cards where you can use your cryptocurrency literally everywhere um, which is an asset, digital asset, so that when you're actually um, buying things, you're using something that has an asset value and you're, you're exchanging it in real time to get goods and services. Yeah. When you accumulate an asset, though, you're taxed on capital gains. So it's, it's a different model compared to your tradition, like earning a fiat income. Hmm. where you're accumulating assets the same as real estate and then that becomes taxable based on capital gains of that asset. Right, so taxation comes in there as well. It changes the, I guess, the technicalities of things a bit. But the real reason why I think this is changing the world is because it, it creates access to resources. 
when new and, in, and innovative projects come up, it creates an ability where people can get access to more funds, assets, uh, resources to fuel good ideas, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, and in this model where it's all based on value and you keep accumulating these assets, it becomes a lot easier to allocate resources to urgent requirements. So in the future, there could be, you know, there could be mining setups purely to have emergency um, response resources readily available around the world. There could be all sorts of models where re the resources are actually there to be able to allocate them as they are needed rather than someone going, oh, I don't want to pay this, or a government saying, I don't want to pay this because this is you know, going to cost us money and increase our debt and, and whatnot. It can keep turning over and just make sure that the needs are covered. But I guess the whether you use cryptocurrency or dollars and euros, the business modeling and uh, the profitability of a new project, uh, the business model, all those still remain, right? You, you still need to make money whether you fund a project using dollars or cryptocurrencies, and it has to be clear to the market. Well, it depends what it's for. Like for business projects, you know, you need to have a return. When it comes to emergency response, that's a whole different story. Mm. You know, there's, there could be floods in, a, in, in an area. There could be all sorts of natural disasters and being able to allocate resources based on the mass accumulation of them for the purpose of having them readily available for um, quick response times takes, I guess, the cost away from doing good things <laughs> right which is usually associated with that uh, so you're talking about a specific use case now for something like a cryptocurrency where we need quick response and the allocation of resources in this case money in whatever form we can get it so that we can pay for rescuers machinery yeah. like food rations and all that so are those mechanisms in particular for using cryptocurrencies to achieve something like that in place? And, and also, I'm not sure if you have experience uh, on, on this matter. I wonder when something like that happens, like a tsunami, I think, what in Indonesia about 15 years ago, uh, the responses tend to be slow because of political reasons, usually, as far as I understand it, at, at least, yeah. not so much because of, you know, financing yeah it's well the political reasons because they don't want to finance right <laughs> who's going to pay what right especially if it's an yeah. international effort exactly there's a lot of inefficiencies in the way that our institutions are designed now i, I skipped past your question there isn't anything like this created at the moment mm. i deal with a lot of different researchers out there who are create creating some amazing um you know i've seen models where these nodes can be placed in communities all around the world and the mining capacity that these nodes generate based on artificial intelligence and linking these nodes up can actually help communities in third world countries get the resources they need to get out of poverty. Um, and I've seen a model like this being designed and it, it, there, are, there are innovations that are being created that can can completely change the world however hmm. it is that there are the, these researchers uh, or research scientists 
a lot of this stuff is theory with a lot of you know, with the technological capability, and it's probably four or five years old away. Right. But there's a trajectory towards that, hmm. and mining has a capacity to build access to these things. We hear a lot about it being very energy consumption, like uh, taking up a lot of energy, and that's true. But what's happening is that because there is such a huge economy behind it and because there's such a capacity to build huge amounts of resources, technology is innovating to reduce energy consumption and make things more efficient. And this pressure to, to change is, is creating a new revolution in technology or evolution oh, in technology. Oh, I see. Yeah, of course, because you need... Specific hardware that can really efficiently uh, mine. Like, uh, so mining means calculating or creating coins, crypto coins. So it's quite different to the technology that we use to run the internet, for example, or send email, right? So it's specialized. So that's where the technology push is. It is. Great. Uh, Mark, I'd like to ask you just to ground the discussion a little bit more to today right? So cryptocurrency and Bitcoin that most people know in particular is not new anymore. It's been around for 10 years, at least. Uh, I think the Bitcoin came around in 2007, uh, its first version. So quite a lot has been done around that area. We all know uh, from the news that the FBI, you know, uh, uh, was able to infiltrate uh, drug cartels and mm-hmm. confiscated the proceeds of crime in, in Bitcoin, and you know, <clears throat> and then they were auctioning them to the market uh, and so on. So we know that that is uh, one of the first applications of cryptocurrencies. But I think somewhere earlier you mentioned something about fighting poverty, right? and um, applications of that sort. And to my mind, what comes into play is is this, like uh, these days in places like Australia, like I said, the first world, Australia, Europe, uh, US, uh, there is no friction in commerce. I can get onto Amazon and I can buy stuff. Uh, My credit card will ensure that that whatever I buy is delivered really quickly and I don't really need to worry about transaction, currency conversion, all that. It seems that it is frictionless to me. But I wonder, <laughs> well, Marcus uh, is looking at this from the other point, like uh, of the retailer. But what I want to say is that not everybody does have a credit card or access to PayPal. Mm-hmm. So you go to third world countries, like you go into Africa and uh, there's no internet there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Bitcoin yeah, can address something like that? Kenya was the first country in the world to have a mobile application for money transfers. Oh, tell us about it. I forgot the name. My partner's from Kenya. She's been telling me yeah. that for ages. But there's an app where she's sending family, um, her family money back, and it's it's instantaneous and there's no fees. Is it that runs on a normal like feature phone or a smartphone or? Yeah, probably yeah. just via SMS even. SMS, yeah. I don't think this one is SMS, but I'm pretty sure you can do it by SMS pretty easily. But the, when it comes to places like in Africa, th- there are new technologies coming up, but it's an environment over there that it's hard for us to imagine as mm. you know, people living in Australia. Um, I get told a lot because I have this 
is and my partner's like, you don't understand. You, you, you don't understand Kenya. And unfortunately, I, uh, you know, governments are extremely corrupt beyond our comprehension. <laughs> oh, right. Um, there's a ditch in, there's a ditch in a in a uh, a hole in a, a road. Let's write off two hundred million dollars in poverty. Um, <laughs> Public works. That's a re- that's a that's a reality in Africa. Um, but do they let you keep your repairs? <laughs> do they let you? There's no repairs done. That's spending money that they. It's just paper. It's just paper. So how how can crypto help in that case? Is it that the fact that it bypasses the government is not controlled by government? That that's just an immediate advantage. It bypasses control mechanisms. Hmm. It, it creates resources where resources have been restricted. Hmm. What about the you know the publicity, the public uh, nature of the blockchain, where all these crypto transactions are stored? You know, it's all out in the open. Yeah, that, that keeps the transparency, and you know, the ledger um, holds down exactly what has been happening. So hmm. there's accountability there. Uh, so governments running on the blockchain will have many people to answer to if they try and do a loophole around it because it will be obvious. They can't hide it. They can't change the blockchain like that. Is there anywhere in the world where um, a government in particular decides to use the blockchain to record its operations? Is there anywhere? Is there anywhere that you know about? Georgia is using a product from Bitfury called Exonum for their land registry. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a, a, a product that you know we're, we're actually going to be using ourselves where uh, it, it makes it quite easy to create, I guess, private blockchains um, or permissioned blockchains and using that technology for digital rights management, property management, um, registries, all sorts of, I guess, uh, database management that needs to be protected. So how would that work for Georgia and why do you think they're doing it? Um, it's it's efficient. It can't be changed. It's Tampa proof, so... Yeah. And, it, like, you know, we have paper records, but, like, we're getting it away from the age of, of paper. Hmm. And so as much as the certificates and physical certificates, it'd be a digital stamp to or a digital image, which a digital fingerprint, which is an image of that document at a specific point in time which would be time stamped and so if it was ever changed they would know that it's been changed right so that's where the transparency comes in and you know a mechanism to reduce or eliminate corruption over time yeah it creates a a, i guess it stores a record Uh, and that record's been time stamped it's there in plain sight um and so anything that's changed from it, it it's just automatic red flag and then by separating things onto a blockchain and uh, a system that's run by many computers, especially you know, blockchains, private blockchains that are managed by mining miners, someone to hack it, it, it becomes very hard because you know they might get access to a packet of information, but that packet of information is useless unless it's linked up with all the rest of the blocks. Hmm. And so that's why they call it like a fifty-one percent attack because they, you know, they need to be able to get fifty-one um, percent of something to be able to change something. 
because if you have 49%, then the rest of the blockchain will go, hey, that's not right, and it will just delete it. Oh, because it's like a majority. Or when a transaction is entered into the blockchain, it has to be approved, I guess, by the majority. Well, they need to have consensus. Consensus. Is yeah. the word. Consensus is the word. So that's how you check the validity of a transaction. Yep. Yeah. So there's applications in government. I wonder, like now, if we look at, say, 10 years into the future, where do you see applications of the blockchain that can potentially change our lives in the way that TCPIP did? Smart contracts. Oh, okay. Smart contracts. Take it away. are just a, an efficient way of managing things. <laughs> you have a structure um, and you can d- define that structure using smart contracts. And um, when things happen, then it will activate a sequence or whatever's supposed to happen. From a micro perspective, you know, as a freelancer, you know, if you're getting your job done, you're going to get paid. But when it comes to automating systems, you know, when there's a notification comes up that activates a smart contract that goes to a contractor to fix something or whatever it may be, there's a an efficient way of managing the requirements of organization. And so there's a way of creating, I guess, autonomy with how an organization is managed, which takes away a lot of the hierarchy that oh, we have. Hang on. Are you saying that lawyers are no longer going to be required? Technically, lawyers aren't required. <laughs> but we still pay them a lot of money. Um, why? I know, because they use fear to make us <laughs> money because we're too scared not to. Well, I, I guess like today, like we'll go to a lawyer if we want to buy a house because yeah. there are contracts involved and large sums of money. And yeah. I can't just exchange contracts with the seller of a house um, no. because I, I don't trust them, I guess, to honor the signature. And I believe that the yeah. lawyer as uh, an intermediary will provide that validity. So what you, what are you saying is that smart contracts will no longer require lawyers or yeah. no, legal systems? In, in that situation, lawyers can be completely replaced. Oh. <laughs> in that situation. So what are they like? So how does a smart contract do the tests that a lawyer would do? So I'd imagine, or a third party a test that a third party do, would do, like to uh, make sure somebody's actually honouring the contract. Right. A third party can be contracted, like, like an engineer. If, 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 if something's being surveyed, then it's like there's a checklist, and you need to have a tick in every checklist. Once there's a tick in every checklist, then it can move forward. So who puts the tick there? Because then you just ultimately argue that no, you can't put the tick there. That can be that can be done through a digital system. Through a digital system. Maybe can we work on an example? Let's say yeah. I mean, a house is probably a bit complicated because it's big. But let's say a car. Uh, actually, <laughs> I want to buy a second house. Second house car. is actually great because yeah, uh, people. Know I was them. thinking about the concept of say defects. Yep. So you go build a house. You have a builder that's on on the blockchain and uh, you know you don't hand over the last bit of money until all the defects are fixed how would that work with mm. a smart contract so between a buyer of a new house and uh, the builder of the house say a builder okay. versus yeah sure. there'd be a list of tasks that they would have had to have done and I guess you know at some stage there's someone to you know go 
yes, you know, this job has been done to satisfactory and then the funds would be released into their account. So, like, who, who's the one that says that, yes, it's been done to satisfactory? And who's the one that's defining satisfactory? There'd be an independent person that would do that, I guess. So how's that different to just using PayPal today? PayPal. Can you use PayPal for contractors? Like, that? Okay, maybe not a contractor, but I'm thinking just a simple merchant and, uh, you know, a purchaser arrangement where... PayPal is essentially like an arbiter. As, yes, okay, the person has sent the goods and there's a signature for the delivery versus mm. uh, the guy that says, I've been home all day and I never received the goods. I don't go off <laughs> on a tangent, but it's also a simple example that, you know, as soon as you're involving a third party, you're really just going back to traditional uh, systems. You know, the way that I think about this, well, with houses in particular, is that in the case of purchasing, say, uh, a used house, like a second-hand house, mm-hmm. you need to get some people to assist you with the purchase. And it could be a bank, for example, yeah. to say, yeah, yeah. the uh, value of this house is this much, so we can venture this much. Yeah. Uh, you go to yeah. an engineer to say, yeah, the house is structural. You go to the pest controller to say, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no pests. You, you, there's no lawyer yet, but eventually the lawyer will take the information from all these people mm-hmm. and put them into a document. And I guess that is what brings all of those together. And that's when you can say, okay, now I can pay the money. Right. So I guess, and I guess, right, Mark, you can correct me. That's where the smart contract comes in because a smart contract will rotate through all these people. They will tick the boxes. And then the smart contract itself will do what the lawyer normally would do to say everybody who is an expert said, yes, you can now release the money on PayPal or whatever you Bitcoin. And that is the public record. It identifies all those professionals who have been remunerated for attracted fees. So there's a self-regulation. That's how I understand so it. So from what I'm understanding, you're getting these uh, specialists to tag facts yeah. in a blockchain yeah. that can be referred to in the past. So system, and then that digital system yeah. would um, anchor its data into the blockchain. Right. Yeah. So there'd be a platform with an interface that you're interacting with that interface would have the process and then that information would be stored on the back end, blockchain back end. Right. So what about enforcement? Like, so, Sorry, before we go down that sure. route, when it comes to data, is like a hash of the data or is it like the data, actually literally the mm-hmm. data being inserted into the blockchain or into the ledger? Yeah, I'm just thinking that the, the, you then end up in like data size issues if you are actually just inserting the data directly. Yeah, it'd be a hash, I guess, but yeah. Those details will be worked out later. Don't worry about the hell. <laughs> Don't worry about the implementation. It's like the tyranny of how. <laughs> We're talking about the ideas, and then we'll get the, the specialists to build. Um, I guess to take this one step further, like I, I get my brand new house, and then I discover that one of the pipes is blocked or broken. Mm-hmm. Real story. Yeah. What's my recourse? If there's no lawyer there? Um, if the engineer has checked all the piping oh, um, and said, you know, everything, if, like if whoever, well, I guess it's a plumber, if the plumber or whoever's been checking it has ticked it off saying I've checked it and it turns out that that's not right, hmm. then 
you know, there's a there's a breach there, isn't there? So then insurance comes in. Well, in real life, that's what happens, really. Yeah. There's a defect in the house, a damage. You don't go to a lawyer. You go to the insurance company, and I guess that can also be attended by the blockchain. Uh, there's a whole lot of things that happen, like an inspection and then a rectification and then another inspection. And again, that can be on the public blockchain and uh, remains public property. If the insurer is giving you insurance based on the fact that all these checks have been made and then it's been found that you know something hasn't um, actually been done thoroughly and there's been a breach, then the insurer is um, going to be the one that arms up with lawyers hmm. to, to rectify the situation. So to, to wrap this particular example up, I guess one big change is going to be that lawyers will have to redefine the kind of work that they do in a way that, say, real estate agents or actually even better, uh, travel agents had to redefine the work after the internet made it possible for people to book their own tickets. and well, Lawyers will have to be smart now. They will have to be programmers. They will have to program smart contracts. <laughs> uh, they don't they'll need to be things. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think that would be um, a, a welcome change in my opinion. I think the big area for lawyers is is digital rights management mm. um, for, for when it comes to IP. That's been a big hot topic over the, the, the years as um, the digital world has made its uh, stance in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, originally back in the day with things like Kazar, but, you know, there's all sorts of different breaches and now all intellectual property can be protected yeah. via the blockchain. Definitely. Uh, I see a, a lot happening in, in that area that the blockchain can influence. Uh, Mark, I, I wanted to ask you as well about your opinion in the blockchain in, in education and uh, just to, to steer discussion to where I want <laughs> I was thinking like degree and certifications right yeah. uh, degree awarding and certifications and I imagine those things would fit quite well on the blockchain like you want to get a job you're, you're a doctor right you want to get a job show me your certificate that you actually have graduated as a doctor but that exactly could right. be on the blockchain right 100% I'm, I'm pretty sure there's uh, innovations in in this part that's um, being done. I mm. think uh, University of Wollongong, yeah. I think I might have read something about them doing it. Maybe Western Sydney as well. So degrees on the blockchain? Yeah. So it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, we can all get ma- um, you know, masters or PhDs overnight. <laughs> oh, takes a bit longer. <laughs> and get, oh, how long does it take to get the certificate sent, I guess? Um, <laughs> oh, to earn it or to really, just send it? No, no, just to, to fake it. Like people. Oh, right here, yeah, fifty people, bucks. People can fake these things, like you know, overnight. And you know, even with resumes, the data that people have on your resumes when you you're going through it, you know, there's someone mm. that could be very experienced at marketing, but not getting jobs, so they decide to you know fake it. Fake it, it yeah. That that can be automatically checked instead of having yeah. to call up a university. To verify it, well, and it could just be a, a registry. Yeah, I, I can really see that happening very soon. Actually, I don't see many obstacles to, to doing something like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's going to come out in the next couple of years. Well, let, let's daydream a little bit more. What what else do you see being affected forever by the blockchain? Like medical, medical oh, records. Okay, Are yeah, yeah, yeah. About yeah. My health records. Cover, tell us. Yeah, well, like my health has been a big 
big thing. Uh, they've been trying to get everyone to opt into it, but you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of concerns about the privacy of you know your very sensitive information. Privacy is important. I'll take that one step further. Like um, I'm not saying that this is happening in Australia, but you know how many countries getting family benefits is tied to immunization records. Mm-hmm. Like your kids have to be immunized before you can get um, a benefit from the government. And that, of course, is an incentive for people that don't want to be immunized to fake immunizations. But that won't be possible if well, records actually, are on the blockchain. No, they are. The government actually has the records today. They do, but they are traditionally stored in a database, right? So if you're a good enough hacker, you can... I'm saying this because I'm watching... uh, uh, This is uh, from TV, but, you know, I can see it happening. I'm watching this series called um, Mr. Robot, Mm -hmm. right? Highly recommended, Mr. Robot. (laughs) So there's this hacker in the hospital who takes drugs. Uh, he got in the hospital because somebody pushed him off a cliff, but it's a different story. So uh, he ends up in the hospital. His psychology comes, comes in and says, uh, you look like you're addicted. Like, I'm not addicted to, to heroin. So prove it. You need, to come to, uh, you need to test yourself once a month to show me that you're clean. And he thinks, uh, sure, no problem. I can do that. I choose this particular hospital because the head of IT is a total and doesn't know what he's doing and he's using Windows 95 and I could totally hack into the database and just change my records from negative to positive, sorry, from positive to negative for opioids. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying, like it's a traditional system that can be hacked and that there's no trace behind it. But with the blockchain, blockchain is tamper-proof. So you won't be able to do that. Nope, you wouldn't. Mm. Yeah, and well, the information you get would, you know, not necessarily actually mean anything. <laughs> yeah, because of the anonymity issue as well, right? Well, it could be all scrambled depending on what they've hacked and what they get access to. Yeah, and encrypted. Okay, yeah. so totally change uh, the legal profession will change the medical profession. Uh, the education industry will change. So I was just thinking about the... <laughs> The results side of things. Yeah. You're not actually storing the data in the blockchain, so the data is in a traditional database. You Therefore, it can get good. Uh, you can. Like, data can be stored on the blockchain. It just gets big. gets really big. Yeah. So that's what Mark was talking about earlier, about technology has to change as well. You don't really need the results. You just need to know that they have the certificate. Hmm. But it's an image because you can store an image, fingerprint. I guess the validation is in the blockchain, not the actual record. That's the how, right? So the engineers will decide how to do this efficiently, but the technology of the blockchain provides this capability. Mark, we've got another few minutes. What else big is going to change the world because of the blockchain? Security token offerings. That's the the, the hot topic at the moment. Oh, what's that? That that sounds complicated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, okay, so I'm working on a project at the moment, which is a major uh, property development project, which is releasing a security token to fund the development where the benefit from that development goes back to the token. So the money um, from the sale of the, or the development of the property is what's backing the token. Well, it's the reward for the investment. Okay. <laughs> the, the, you know, there can be different ways of structuring it, but um, say the tokens that are used to purchase the, or fund the development own all of the development as well. 
So mm-hmm. 100% of the benefit goes back to it like a like it, similar to a share, but instead of it being a share, it's a smart contract token. Right. And now you are combining smart contracts with currency, cryptocurrency, to fund Asset. a new development. That's what traditional ICOs were doing in terms of tech development, yeah. but now it's going into real estate. Right. Do you have a specific example of something that is actually using this approach today? Maybe you can use it to help us understand. Have you guys read the um, articles on Great Keppel Island? Uh, I did read the one that you sent me. No, I have not. It was very impressive. But that's actually the project I'm working on. Oh, tell us about it, Mark. So... Um, a purchase has been made, a deposit um, has been given, and a contract has been formed for the purchase of Great Capital Island. And Where now is this a, island? In the Great Barrier Reef. Barrier Reef. All right. Okay. Off the coast of Yupin. And so there's um, all the development plans and approvals that have been made. It's quite a big project that's backed by the government, uh, Queensland Tourism, Queensland Government, the saviour of Queensland Tourism. And so... Uh, what is happening is a security token offering um, is being used to crowdfund the development of this island. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me rephrase that. They, I'm looking at this story now on Sydney Morning Herald. It's a $300 million development, and it's not funded by dollars, right? It's funded by a currency that is specifically minted created for this purpose is that correct it's funded by dollars right but those dollars which are used to pay for the development is a a smart contract or a a security token is given to represent the investment that's been made okay let me rephrase then i'm just doing this to make sure that i understand because it is a strange concept to me as well so i take a dollar and I purchase, uh, I don't know, a hundred coins, Great Keppel Island, or let's call them GKI coins, that represent uh, an arbitrary value that eventually will be determined by the economic activity on the island. And it will have a, a ratio against the Australian dollar and other currencies, right? But I hold... GKIs now, not a yeah. not a share certificate. Like I don't have a hundred shares of the island's economy, but I've got these coins that change in value. Yep, and you can trade your coins for real Aussie dollars. Yeah, well, as the the, the economy actually starts to flourish, you'd be receiving currency or distributions based on the profits of the island. And you can convert that into cash and hold on mm. to your tokens, or you can trade your tokens to to make a profit. It depends on, I guess, uh, what you want. There's people that like to to buy and invest into these things to trade for quick gains, and there's people that like to hold on to them mm. because they see the value over many years. So, can I go? Like, let's say I have GKI tokens, as they're called, can I go to Great Kappa Island and use them to buy accommodation or dinner at a restaurant instead of dollars? So the, the, the GKI tokens is something that you'd be holding on to. There'll be a utility token, which you'll be able to use on the island. Oh, right. 
but there has a particular exchange value with the actual tokens or with other currencies. Yes. So the security tokens are something that you want to hold on to and allow it to build value um, because you, you receive distributions um, mm. because, you know, over time as the project, you know, completes or um, as, as it gets underway and completes, market confidence is built. When market confidence is built, demand rises um, and so does the value. Um, and you can trade on that value or you can hold on it based on knowing that you're going to be receiving a return. Right. I think it's like there is, a, I think, a one-on-one, a one-to-one analogy with what is happening in the stock market where if you want to do a development, you, you buy shares. It's just that, as I understand it, using crypto and smart contracts significantly lowers the costs or the cost of an investment like that. Like it's a large investment, it's got large costs, like you don't need that many lawyers. <laughs> Just that alone <laughs> would, drop the, would drop the cost significantly. Uh, so it's not really totally new concept. It's just a better way to do something that we already do a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's not like just, you know, creating the will and inventing it. It's seeing a will that's being a bit clunky and working out how to streamline it. Awesome. And also design, use it to design a model which is, you know, more efficient, uh, both in getting a, a project going because there's, um, you know, there's still obstacles, um, but it's not the same level. But, you know, the reward of uh, or the benefit of owning it is to a typical shareholding. That's great. Well, I think... Uh, we- we did go through quite a few examples of how our society is going to change uh, significantly over the next 10 years using this new tech. And I think that brings us into rapid fire question time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to ask you a few questions, Mark, that require very, uh, relatively quick answers. Practical things that uh, I'm very curious about. We ask the questions quickly. You can yeah. spend as long as you want to answer them. Keep it short. <laughs> Yeah, so what cryptocurrencies do you own? Uh, Ethereum is probably, you know, the one that I I, I, I thought was a lot more promising and then mm. it kind of like collapsed and um, <laughs> lost a little bit out of, keep not the, too much. Keep the faith. <laughs> so outside of G, K. G, GKIs, which cryptocurrencies would you recommend? I'm not a trader. I, I, I think if you want to buy and sell cryptocurrencies, you need to like do your research, you need to keep your head on it, and you need to watch the market because a lot of people come in on the hype, they buy it at a really high price, and then it drops. I bought you know, at 400, it went down to 200, but mm. at the beginning of the year, it was 1300. So, yeah, of course. Um, it's very speculative. <laughs> so, don't trade, basically. One of the things we ask is uh, any takeaways, like recommendations, like any asset. Yeah. What would say? Oh, like any asset, the yeah, devolves risk. And we're not recommending that people go and trade Definitely cryptocurrencies. Not. Uh, you can mine them, which is good fun. I recommend it, but don't <laughs> just buy for the yeah, for investment purposes. If you if you want to trade, you can make good money, but you need to like really do your um, your study, okay, to know what you're getting into and not buy into um, hype. No problem. Since uh, well, we are in education. Uh, podcast what i'd like to know about mark is like it is all new right it's all new even to me and i'm a geek 
Do you have any book recommendations that can help me understand cryptocurrencies, the blockchain, and actually what I'm very interested to learn about are smart contracts and how to program smart contracts? Any recommendations? <laughs> um, I'll need to get back to you on that one. No problem. Just so, uh, get back to us and then we'll put it in the show notes. So Ethereum has information on its website on how yeah. to build but I want to put applications like on traditional the platform. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a book out there yeah. that, you know, The Dummy's Guide to Cryptocurrency, something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are books out there. Um, I haven't read any of them, to be honest. Okay, another one, Mark. Uh, another quick question. I don't know how quick, but what I want to know is, like, let's say that you're a teacher, right? And the kids that you're teaching today will be have to live in in this world of cryptocurrencies and blockchains and all that by the time they're ready to get a job in my opinion how do you recommend that the teacher prepares to at least introduce this concept to the students that's really interesting i think you could have like um you could have like something that represents a token like a chip of some sort and you can explain i guess uh you know different forces in the real world by you know having a a, a total supply and then having it spread and oh. reenacting maybe different scenarios that can happen in the real world I, i'm not uh, i'm thinking of something physical that that physical. represents the digital yeah. yeah something where people can see is the easiest way of doing that um and you know Oh, yeah, I think that's actually a good analogy. It's got to be a physical thing because kids understand physical, like it could be Lego bricks, right? And uh, you could simulate this, the fixed supply of the currency. Was it Mark Nolan? Uh, Am I confusing teachers who runs the cryptocurrency? Uh, no, that's Kieran Nolan. Kieran Nolan. Yeah. Too many Nolans. Uh, in a podcast. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's taken it a bit further because he's got all the kids, right? Yeah, and he's got them class. voting on the blockchain. Yeah, and they've got the their own currency. Yeah. But I think Mark was thinking about much younger kids. Well, yeah. Um, it all starts with the basics. Yeah. It all starts like even everyone having a, a token and being able to place their tokens with different things that – you know, they want to support hmm. um, maybe something in the classroom, like, you know, in um, uh, that, that burger shop where when you, when you buy a burger, they give you like a bottle cap and you put it in a uh, jar that represents mm-hmm. a different charity. You, yeah. you could have like Super a scenario where, where these tokens represent a donation to something. Right. And so it could be, you know, uh, you know, just, I don't know how exactly it could be done, but there could be, where do you want to give your energy? Yeah. What about the where, blockchain? Where do you want to place it behind? Um, like the ledger, can we use some kind of notepad to record class activities in order to simulate the blockchain and how it's always available in public and you know, every transaction gets validated through it? Is there something that you think we can do with just pen and paper? You've got me thinking. I'm going to be thinking about this. Think about it, and we can do a, a supplemental check. recording once you or once you have <laughs> another. Because I think, yeah, just using those traditional tools, pen, paper, and all that, it's a it's a good tool for the classroom. You can have like a, an image that's broken up into pieces, 
where like when it's all together, it's you know uh, um, a unified blockchain. But when you only have a piece, it's, you don't really know what's on it. It doesn't mean anything unless it comes together. Yeah. And so you could kind of like show how, you know, when, there, when, when like, I guess the security of the blockchain of how all the pieces need to be together so that you can actually see what the information is or it becomes kind of like a scrambled block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess the way I relate it um, and talk about it most is by uh, explaining, well, you know, I guess it's a bit of a iffy topic, but BitTorrents and explaining like when you're downloading a file, you're downloading these packets of information from thousands of people. Yeah. But those packets of information mean absolutely nothing unless they all come together perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that's integrity. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, All thank right. you so much for your time today, Mark. If our listeners want to get in contact with you, how's the best or what is the best way for them to do so? Or send you Bitcoin. <laughs> send you Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> My wallet is uh, seven, <laughs> three, four, <laughs> something, something, we'll something. put something, it something. in the show notes. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn is, is uh, probably best. My profile uh, username at Talent is Mark Roper. I, I'm trying to open it up to see if I have a uh, dash in between. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn, I'm going to be contactable. What's your medium of choice for communications? Is it LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Um... Awesome. Oh, are you there? Oh, he's gone. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks guys for listening to the Bitcoin <laughs> show. I think the big government uh, is shutting us down because we just lost Mark. Anyway, um, it was great, great talking to you, Marcus. Thank I'll, you, I'll connect to Mark and uh, thank him as well in a moment once we are back. So, until See you next time. See you then. Cheers, thanks, mate. Bye. That was funny. That's all for this episode. The notes for this episode that include links to many of the resources mentioned and information on how to get in touch with Mark are available on our website, techexplorations.com forward slash p forward slash stemiverse. Each episode comes with its own page on the Tech Explorations website and a goldmine of information in the notes. This Stemiverse podcast episode was produced by Tech Explorations. Do you have any questions or suggestions? Would you like to nominate a friend or colleague to be our guest? Please email us at pa at texplore.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the name of our podcast, STEMiverse. That's S-T-E-M-I-V-E-R-S-E. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next time.